over, but we want to see the the big scope of how things all fit together. So we have gone through the Old Testament, the Gospels, and now we are this week in the got in the Gospel in the Book of Acts. And um, Wednesday night, our studies will be in the book of Acts. Acts is, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. But I have to admit, as we've been going through the Bible, I have really come to um, appreciate a lot of these different books in, in new ways. But... Going way back, I I have always enjoyed the book of Acts. It is full of action. It is it is an exciting time in history. And the book of Acts it records about a 30-year period of time from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ's ascension up until through those 30 years, the the early church and the book of Acts ends about A.D. 62 with Paul's two-year uh, Roman house arrest. And you'll notice as you study the book of Acts, it just ends abruptly. It really doesn't end. It's like it, it just stops, okay? The book is a transition, it's a transition, really, um, that if it were taken out of our New Testament, <clears throat> we really wouldn't understand the rest of the, the New Testament. Because when you close the record of the Gospels, you see nothing but a handful of Jews in the city of Jerusalem. The center is on Jewish life. And they're talking together about a kingdom for Israel. So that's the end of the Gospels there. So if you skip the book of Acts and you just opened up the book of Romans, you would discover a man who was never mentioned in the Gospel, the Apostle Paul, and you would discover that he's writing to a group of Christians in Rome of all places, the center of Gentile culture, and he's talking about pushing the gospel out to the very ends of the earth. So here you have the end of the gospels, and it's all Jewish-centric, and they're talking about the, the coming kingdom of Israel and so on. And then if you come to Romans, it's like, who is this guy, the Apostle Paul? And in Rome, what's he doing in Rome? These people in the Gospels, Rome was anathema. Rome, And he's writing to Christians in Rome, and he's urging them to take the Gospel everywhere. Well, it wouldn't make sense unless you had the book of Acts in between. And the book of Acts is a book of transition, and it explains 
um, what happened between the Gospels and Romans. And your Bible says it's the Acts of the Apostles. Probably a more accurate name would be it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And um, you notice I'll begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Luke is writing this, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. He said, So I am writing of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then it goes on and it says they returned to Jerusalem. Well, it's easy for us to read these things, and if we're familiar with it, to read it, and okay, yeah, that happened but you can you can imagine, okay, the Gospels, all that took place there, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. And he'd spent time 40 days after his resurrection. The Bible tells us he spent time with the disciples. He met with people and um, at one time over 500 people showing them that he had risen victorious over death. And he's talking to his disciples, and they said, um, is, it, is it now the time for the kingdom to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said, that's, that's really not your business. That's the business of the Father. And he said, but I want you to tarry here. I want you to remain here in Jerusalem Until the Holy Spirit comes. Now remember in his earthly ministry, he said, it is necessary for me, Jesus, to leave 
so that when I leave, the Spirit of God will come. He will be your comforter. He will guide you into truth. He will dwell within you. So they, he taught them that, and, and now he said to them, okay, I'm going to be leaving, and you stay here until the Spirit comes. And then he's gone. I mean, honestly, they still had the hopes in their minds that maybe he is going to set up his kingdom. But he's gone just like that. And, and they went back to Jerusalem, and you'll read the, the rest of the book of Acts. But can you imagine what went through their minds I mean, the the two men that, that showed up and said, Why stand you here gazing up into heaven? I picture myself as that happened. I mean, it'd be like, what what in the world just took place here? I mean, and they they'd already seen Jesus' power over all. They'd be in a meeting and he'd just show up there. I mean, he didn't come through the doors. He's just there. So they'd seen all these things, but I too would have been standing there gazing up into heaven. And it's like the angel said, okay, get on with it. Enough of this. Get on with it. And and they obeyed God. They stayed in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God came upon them. They took care of some of the business that they had to. But the book of Acts is the account of us from that time that Jesus ascended to heaven until through the establishment of the early church, the mission of the Apostle Paul, and the missionary endeavors of carrying the gospel. And really, it's a work that God began that continues to this day. And I want us to see just four basic things about the book of Acts and how it relates to us today. And I trust that you have been getting in the book of Acts. If not, it's a short enough book. You can read it all between now and Wednesday and um, come prepared to, to share together on Wednesday. But you remember in Jesus' ministry, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Meaning, I will build my assembly, ecclesia, I, I will call out people, and I will build my church, and nothing is going to stop it. What we read in the book of Acts is the fulfillment of his statement in that. The same plan for the book of Acts is the same plan today. God is still building his church. Acts is a fantastic book because in it we see him doing just that. It's, it's, it's incredible. In, in the early chapters of Acts, Peter preaches and, and God calls out people and, and brings them to salvation and they gather together in fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers and, and God is building his church and 
throughout the book of Acts, you see God building his church, and that's still what God is doing today. We sometimes refer to it that we live in the church age, meaning in God's timetable, what God is doing today is what he began in the book of Acts, and he continues to do it today, and it's fitting that we've had several missionaries here recently and have the Van Lowe's with us. God is building his church literally around the world today. And you may think evil is prospering and, and the devil is going strong. God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We heard in Sunday school, the power of Jesus Christ is greater than demonic power. And we read in 1 John, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And, and you say, I'd just like to know what God is up to. One thing God is up to today is he's building his church. He is still committed to the same thing that you read about in the book of Acts. And he still has the same plan. Secondly... He still has the same people, redeemed sinners. The book of Acts shows how God essentially took a group of fishermen and commoners and used them literally to turn the world upside down. Much of the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 9 on, We read how God took a Christian-hating murderer and transformed him into history's greatest Christian evangelist or missionary, the Apostle Paul, transformed him to be the author of almost half of the New Testament books, and how he God used the persecution of Christians to stimulate the spread of the gospel literally around the world through common sinners who he had brought to salvation and he used them to spread the gospel around the world. The reality is that God uses sinners We heard Brother Paul mention this morning in Sunday school that uh, a man that had had come to give himself to Satan said, I think I've gone too far that, that God can't save me. God specializes in saving sinners and saves to the uttermost Or Paul said, I am the chief of sinners, and the book of Acts is a testimony. Here is Paul who says he is the chief of sinners, who persecuted Christians, consented to their death, and he came to know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and God raised him up and used him. Here you take um, the early disciples, and they all forsook Jesus during his earthly ministry, 
And yet God, by his grace, raised them up to be used of God in amazing ways in these early days of the church. And you may be saying, well, I failed so much, or who am I? God still uses individual people in building his church. It's not just the Paul's. We read throughout the book of Acts, and as you go through and study it, and you may be saying, yeah, but my past, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and in verses 10 and 11, he said, verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. None of those will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you, but you are washed. You are sanctified, you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So he lists all these things. And he says, you know that none of these will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And he says, but such were some of you. And all of us are in that pile. We were all, we're all sinners And in and of ourselves, we cannot enter into heaven. He says, but you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. You have been set apart by Jesus Christ. You have been justified, meaning the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sin. And it is just as if we had never sinned. We are justified. Here we are, all this sin. That's us. But when we come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, Jesus Christ alone, not not baptism, not church, not works, not anything else, we come to Jesus Christ alone and say, God, I trust your death and your resurrection for the payment of my sin. We are washed. We are set apart. We are justified by Jesus Christ. And then God raises us up and he says, now I want you, I want you to be the ones that build the church. It's the same plan. God always uses sinners, redeemed sinners. The Apostle Paul, his heart's desire, we read in Romans, was... He really was burdened for Israel, his people. But then God, in his plan, said, Paul, no, you're going to go to the Gentiles. And God raised up Paul, who was the epitome of the persecution of Christians, and he raised up him to be one of the great influences that opened the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We understand God still uses people. 
Individuals like you and like me, that's what God desires to use. And that's why it's called the Acts of the Epistles, uh, Apostles, because it is the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit through people. So same plan, I will build my church, same people, redeem sinners, and then it's the same power today that needs to be at work, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. We mentioned it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. There are over 50 references to the Holy Spirit in this book. And when he uses the term here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall receive power. It's dunamis is the Greek word. It's the same derivative from where we get dynamite from. It's, It's miraculous power, what he's talking about here. It is strength. It is a mighty, wonderful working power that the Spirit of God gives. So Jesus said to them, I want you to stay here. Until the Holy Spirit comes, and when He has come, He will empower you to do the work that I've called you to do. This isn't a temporary earthly power. It's not a political power that He was giving them. But it was a spiritual moral, and eternal power. It was the power of God at work in lives. God can do amazing things through ordinary people when we allow him to empower us by his spirit. That's God's program. The program is the Holy Spirit energizing, empowering, the Holy Spirit guiding, the Holy Spirit directing, the Holy Spirit empowering and communicating life. As you read through the book of Acts, you take a special note to note the Spirit's working. The Spirit of God moved upon the church to send out Paul, And Barnabas or Paul and Silas, it was the Spirit of God moving. It was the Spirit of God that moved Philip to go and speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. One of the problems we have, we try to do God's work in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own power. And God says, I I won't have any part of that because it can't be done. You can't live the Christian life in your own power. You can't be a witness in your own power. You can't do it. It has to be through the power of God, through the Spirit of God. And the same Spirit of God that we read about in the book of Acts is the same Spirit that dwells within every believer. So we sometimes look and say, man, I I wish it. I wish it would be like like it is in the book of Acts. And, and I understand that. I, 
I say that in the sense that, man, you want to see revival like that. But it's not lacking because God has changed his plan or God has changed the people he's Or God has not given us the power. God gives us the access through the Spirit of God. Many times we leave the Spirit of God sitting on the bench, so to speak. That that we're not walking in the Spirit. That we're not filled with the Spirit. So it's the same power. The same power is at work today. But notice he said in verse 8, You shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you shall be witnesses for me. It's the same purpose. God has the same purpose for you as he did for the people, in the believers in the book of Acts, and that is we shall be witnesses. We are empowered to witness. The Greek word that is used here is the same Greek word from which we get the name martyrs. Those, a witness, and they were a witness to the point that they paid the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life to witness the life of Jesus Christ, the instructions of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the good news of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I really fear that many times as believers, and in my own life, we forget the purpose of why we're left here. It's not to build buildings. It's not to get crowds It's not to develop model Christians. That's not the end of it. It's not to show people how they can have a good, God-blessed life. It's not to build a nice family. The end of everything we do is to give testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of those are purposes to the end. You want to have a godly marriage so that it reflects that. But the purpose is not in and of itself to to just have a godly family. It's not to develop um, godly character in my life so I can look at me. I've got godly. No, it's to take that godly character and let it touch people's lives and bring them The glorious message, Jesus Christ loves you even though you're a sinner. He's willing to forgive your sins and give you an eternity forever with Him. That we would be witnesses. That's the purpose why we're here as believers. It's not just to tough our way through life. And, and hopefully respond right during it and, and hopefully, um, we won't mess up too much. No. To hear, well done, thou good and faithful, we need to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. A witness merely tells the things that they have seen and heard. 
You have seen what God has done in your life in forgiving your sin. You have heard the truth and then to share that with others. That is why we are here. Honestly, think about it. We ask God to bless us. Well, okay. And let's say that he does in the way that we're thinking he's blessing, that that would be a blessing. Lord, bless me with good health. Okay, what are you going to do with the good health? Are you going to be a witness? Lord, bless me with resources. What are you going to do with the resources? Be a witness? Lord, bless me with a good mind. That's a prayer I'm praying more these days, all right? But why? Just so I can remember nice things? No, to be a witness. I tell you, this is, this is as convicting for me as I hope it is to you. But this is why we're here. And to think of this, God said, I will build my church. And the moment you called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you became a part of that work. And God said, this is a work that nothing is going to stop. And it is an eternal work. And he said, now I want you to be a part of it. You name me one other thing that has that longevity and that assurance and that guarantee of victory. I don't care what you do. You you give your life to build your family and your name and reputation. It's going you're going to die. It's going to be gone. Most of us don't even know our great-grandparents, let alone our great-great-grandparents. You give your life to some job, but God has called us. I want you to be a part of this eternal work. Wow. You mean I get to be on the team? This is a championship team. This is a team that, that is eternal. You mean you want me? I mean... I'm happy to carry the water on this team, you know what I mean? I'm happy to have the towel to give to the place. But we're on this team. And he says our job is to proclaim the witness of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why we seek to make missions a big thing here. Because it's a big thing to God. And I don't care what else you invest your life in. Nothing can measure to investing your life into being the witness God has called us to be. I'm, I'm not saying going into the ministry or mission. I'm saying wherever God has placed you, whatever he's put in your hands, use it for the glory of God. God, how today can I be a witness of your greatness? How can I help others find that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And to be the witness. The book of Acts is an unfinished book. It was never really completed. It just suddenly ends. And the Holy Spirit intended it that way. Because it's still being written. 
I mean, you think of it. God's still writing the history of building his church. And he's still writing that. And he will be writing that until the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And then you'll find the end. And, and we're the ones that are on the playing field today, so to speak. We're the ones. And so we ask the question, what is your part in God's work today in building his church? I'm, I'm not saying building buildings or building Grace Baptist Church. What is your part in bringing the good news to others? What are you doing to that purpose? God still has the same plan. It's building his church. He still has the same people using redeemed sinners. People that fall down and get up and go on by the grace of God. And it's still his desire and it's only how he'll work through the spirit. The same power. And he still has the same purpose for every one of us as he did in the book of Acts. You'll receive the Spirit, and then I want you to go and be witnesses. I mean, as I studied this, I was humbled. I thought, God, that, that we as believers, that I am a, I'm brought onto your team, and now I'm, I'm the one that, that is helping build the church today. Are we doing anything to that end? God's still writing his book, so to speak. And we have the privilege of being tools in his hand. Heavenly Father, I pray that hearts as believers would be encouraged today and that we would be brought back to the genuine purpose of why you've left us here. To be the witness that you want us to be. Lord, I pray for individuals here that have never come to receive your forgiveness. I pray today before they leave that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I pray if if they're not sure how to do that, that they'd mention it to one of us before they leave. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer. I pray that we would be humbled by the fact that you have called us to be on your team to help in your work. And Lord, I pray that we would have a renewed dependence on your spirit, that we would not depend on our own wisdom, our own experience, our own knowledge, our own strength, but Lord, that we would have a complete and utter dependence upon you and your spirit And that then you would empower us to be witnesses of the good news of your forgiveness. So, Lord, we plead your mercies that we would be called to be faithful workers of yours. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.